Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Churches podcast, where we are committed to building irresistible bridges between the unchurched and Jesus Christ. We are so glad that you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, here we are, the final part of this three-part series called Roller Coaster. And while the series ends today, the sad part is the roller coaster doesn't end today, does it? And that's been the whole point of this series. That life is a theme park filled with roller coasters full of unexpected dips and drops and twists and turns. They're unexpected, and they often come at the most inopportune of times. It's like just when you thought you were recovered from one twist over here, another catches you off guard over here, and round and round and round you go at speeds that are tough to endure and even tougher to navigate, right? The roller coasters in life are real, they're relentless, and as we ride this roller coaster, at times it makes our stomachs queasy, just like a roller coaster at a theme park. But the longer we ride the roller coaster of life, it does more than make our stomachs queasy. The roller coaster of life, it actually does something to our hearts. Solomon, said to be the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon said that hope deferred actually makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is like a tree of life. Solomon in his wisdom was explaining and expressing what many of us have felt at many different moments of our lives, where we've had hopes, dreams, aspirations, and expectations, and life has a way of taking us in every direction instead of forward towards those. And the longer we go round and round, the longer our hope is deferred or put off, the disappointment, the discouragement, and the disillusionment that comes with that, it impacts our heart. You see, when hope is deferred or put off, it actually crushes our heart. It takes something from us, something out of us. It leaves us edgy, critical, and cynical. And many of us have found ourselves in that very place many times. Maybe you find yourself in that place today. And as much as I would like, I can't predict the twists and the turns and the ups and downs, and I can't deal with them one at a time. I can't isolate them and process them easily or one at a time. Life isn't always that helpful, is it? Life isn't that predictable or that manageable. And I don't always see clearly on the roller coaster. Things happen too fast. Emotions are high. Our thoughts betray us. Everything is uncertain, and it's exhausting, isn't it? Eventually, we find ourselves waking up in the morning already on edge, white-knuckling the handle, and we're just waiting, waiting for what's coming next. Life is a theme park full of roller coasters, and so the goal of this series has been to talk about this and use this time to learn how to live with hope amidst the twists and turns and ups and downs of life because this roller coaster we're on, it's relentless, it's unpredictable, it's exhausting, it's overwhelming and unavoidable, and while it has the potential to make our stomachs and our hearts sick, I believe there's a way to hold on to hope, that there is a hope that we can have, not when or because the ride is over, But I believe there's a hope we can have, hold on to, and maintain no matter what comes our way. Throughout this series, we've been focusing in on a man named Elisha, who was a prophet in the Old Testament. Specifically, we focused on him and two encounters that he had with two different women found in the book of 2 Kings. There we find two women in the same chapter of the scriptures who had nothing in common with the exception of the fact that they were both enduring unexpected twists, turns, and drops of a roller coaster. Back in part one of this series, we talked about how and where hope begins, and we said that hope begins with what you have, not what you can't answer. That more often than any of us would like, the roller coasters of life leave us asking questions, big questions, heavy questions, oftentimes to which there are no answers. My guess is we've all experienced this, and we've all asked the type of questions the first woman that Elisha met 
was asking. She was dropping deeper and deeper in debt after the loss of her husband, and her two sons were on the verge of being sold into slavery to cover her debt. So understandably, she was asking the question, why? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my family? I mean, my family has served God, served his church, served his people. Why would he let my sons and I be in this situation? She was experiencing unexpected twists and turns, and she was asking honest questions in her desperation. And thankfully, thankfully a miracle happened in the midst of her circumstance. Elisha challenged her to look inside of her own house for the stability that she was so desperately looking outside her house for. And her hope began with what she had, not in the questions she was asking. And because she didn't just listen to his challenge after becoming aware of what she had, because she responded in obedience to what he challenged her to do, a miracle happened. You see, our tendency, right? Our tendency is to dismiss wisdom and counsel that we get based on how we feel because of the roller coaster. But awareness of what we have, what God has given us, awareness of what we have and obedience to what he has said, these are two very important things as it relates to navigating and holding on to hope no matter what comes our way. That's what we talked about at the beginning of the series. That was part one. And then last week we saw how Elisha developed a relationship with a woman who was in a completely different set of circumstances and yet had completely given up hope. She'd given up hope, though from the outside looking in, she had it all. She was a woman of great wealth. She had it all, but she didn't have a child. And not only did she not have a child, but she had hoped and hoped and prayed and prayed for so long that she gave up. As Solomon said, her hope was deferred or put off for so long that it affected and infected her heart. And she had gotten to the place in her life where she believed in God, but she'd given up believing that he could or would do anything about her circumstance. Because of how long her hope was put off or deferred, though she had it all, she accepted that certain hopes and dreams weren't for her. And as a result, she adapted to her pain. She adapted to what was behind her and surrendered hope of what could be in front of her. Elisha, the prophet, the man of God, he found out about this and he says to her, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. She believed that he was a man of God, so much so that she built an addition onto her home to provide a place for him to stay. But because she had surrendered her hope and adapted to her pain, she didn't even want to hear those words from him. She didn't want to hear what he had to say because even hearing those words, it hurt. And for many of us, we'd rather adapt to our pain than ride the roller coaster again and risk disappointment. Because disappointment hurts, doesn't it? The fear of getting let down again It hurts. And so Elisha is standing in this room that she built for him, and he challenges her to get back on the roller coaster, to subject herself to the ups and the downs and the twists and the turns that may come her way. He challenges her to dream again, to hope again. And as you can imagine, she was afraid. Maybe you can relate. But sure enough, sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant, and at that time the following year, she had a son just as Elisha had said. Isn't that amazing? He helped her hope again and her dream came true. Her prayers were answered. She held on to hope and a year later, she held her child. But that's not the end of the story. And that's the worst part of the roller coaster and it's the part that we fail to realize. See, the roller coasters in a theme park, they last a minute or two. But when it comes to life, when it comes to life, the roller coaster, it never ends. 
Sure, there are moments of relief, right? There are moments where it slows down and you can let your stomach settle for a second, but sure enough, sure enough, the speed picks up and the twists and the turns, they resume, and rarely do we see it that way. Rarely do we expect it. We're blindsided when it happens, just like this woman was. You see, one day, one day when her child was older, he went out to help his father who was working with other harvesters in the field. So her son that she held is now old enough to run and he's out helping his father when suddenly he cries out, my head hurts. It's like, my head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant did that. He took the child home and his mother, she held him in her lap. What a difference a few years makes, right? Elisha had told her years before that she would hold a son in her arms within a year. And when she did, she probably thought, I could hold you like this forever. She never imagined that within a few years she'd be holding him in her arms again like this. When you went out on that first date, right, you probably never thought your relationship would be as unhealthy as it is today. Or maybe you're married and when you said I do, you never thought these years later you'd be separated or on the brink of going through a divorce. Maybe for you, when you held and you, know, you heard your child's first cry, remember that? You never imagined you'd be dealing with the issues you're dealing with as a parent today. Or when you got the job, that dream job, and now it's more of a disaster than the dream that you thought it would be. This woman gave up her dream, gave up her hope, gave up believing she would ever have a child, and then she gives birth to a son, and after all that she's been through, I'm sure she never imagined she'd find herself like this in this moment. Surely everything's gonna be okay, right? Surely everything's going to work out. But around noontime, he died. He died. She had endured ups and downs to get here, and now she's fallen farther and faster than ever before. See, we think as soon as we get through something, whatever it is, we think it's over, I'm done, I'm going to sit down now, I can relax. But see, the thing is, once you get through one twist or turn, once you recover from one drop, you need to brace yourself. You need to prepare yourself because there's always another one coming. See, what you tell yourself is probably what I tell myself. And that's as soon as you get through this twist or this turn, this set of circumstances, this financial hurdle, this season of parenting, this job, this medical issue. It's like, once I get through this, whatever this is, everything is going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. It's going to be great. But you're fooling yourself. It's like if you had the dream job, you had to endure twists and turns to get the job. Now you have to endure more twists and turns to keep the job. We make the mistake of pushing, fighting, and persevering until we get what we want, and then when we get it, we stop doing what it took to get it. And see, what it took to get it is what it takes to keep it. But we don't always live like that. More often than not, once you accomplish something, you settle, right? Why? Because you think you've arrived. But see, the roller coaster, it never ends. Oh sure, it may slow down. You may reach a plateau. But the roller coaster never stops. It never ends. You never arrive. She held her child just as Elisha had said, but now she's holding him again, and he's gone. So she carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and then she shut the door, and she left him there. Now, I want you to make a mental note. Can you do that? Just remember the number 21. Got it? Okay. Now, what does she do in this moment? I mean, what would you do in this moment? What do you do when all you've worked for, when all you've lived for, hoped for, prayed for, what do you do when what you held in your arms dies? What does she do? She let go of her child and she held on to hope. 
Why? Because not only did she get her child years ago, but she learned how to hold on to hope years ago. She discovered the perseverance of hope. She learned that there's a hope that you can have, hold on to, and maintain no matter the circumstance. So she sends for a donkey, and she's thinking, I need to get to Elisha, right? I mean, there's nothing I can do, but I know that God can do something. I know it. I know it because I've seen it before in my life. So she gets to Mount Carmel, and Elisha sees her in the distance. And he tells Gehazi, his servant, he tells her to go meet her, and which she does, and, but she doesn't want to talk to him, right? She's come to meet Elisha. So she almost ignores Gehazi completely. And when she found Elisha at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him, and she just grabs hold of his feet. Now Gehazi, he's trying to get her out of the way, he's pushing her out of the way, but Elisha says, leave her alone. Leave her alone. She's deeply, deeply troubled, but God, for some reason, hasn't told me what it is. He hasn't told me what's going on. Now, she's a completely different woman in this moment than she was the first time they met those years ago, right? Years ago, she tried to run from his words, but now she's running to him for help. She had a need then, but she wasn't in a place where she could confess her need. But now, now because she's endured so much to get where she is, now she's like the woman who we met in the first week of this series, right? Now she's the one who's desperate. Now she's the one who doesn't care and isn't worried about what people think of her. She needs help, and she needs it now. She wants answers now. She sees Elisha, and she says to him, did I ask you for a son? Like, quick recap, Elisha, did I ask you for a son? Did I? No, see, you were the one that brought that up. She couldn't. She had given up completely. And she says to him, didn't I say, don't you remember, didn't I say, don't deceive me and don't get my hopes up? It's like, why would you do this to me? Why would you let me get this far only to let this happen? So Elisha says to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. And then he says something that's really, really weird. He says, go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. Like, what would that do? I don't know, right? Like, how could one small jar of olive oil fill a bunch of empties? I don't know, right? Like, how does a couple of loaves and fishes, how does that feed 5,000? I don't know. But what I know is, when God speaks in the midst of the roller coaster, we have to learn to obey. Because as we said a few weeks ago, miracles are born on the other side of obedience. Gehazi does what he's told, but it's not enough for this woman She says to him again, she says, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go unless you go with me. It's like, if you could get me to this, I need your help to get me through this. So Elisha returned with her. He goes with her. We talk about a turn of events, right? I mean, just a few years ago, he was challenging her and now she's calling the shots and challenging him. So Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face just like Elisha told him to do, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. And so he goes back to Elisha and he tells him, the child, the child's dead. Elisha finally gets to the house and the child was indeed dead. Now what was that number I asked you to remember? 21, right? Where is the child laying? On the prophet's bed. Where she placed him back in verse 21. The bed she built for the prophet becomes the bed where she laid the promise. See, if she hadn't have built the bed for the prophet, she wouldn't have made room for the promise. All the while, she thought she was blessing him, which she was, but more than that, she was really blessing herself. You see, there was more at stake. There was more happening back there in that moment than she could see or understand. 
And now Elisha is back in this room where he challenged her to hope again those years ago. And he went alone into that room and he shut the door behind him. And then he prayed. He prayed to the Lord. When Elisha challenged the woman who was dealing with debt a few weeks ago, he told her to go home and shut the door behind her and her two sons. And a miracle happened behind closed doors then. And it happens again right here. When the woman who had been in debt opened her door, her debts were erased. And when Elisha opened this door, it's not a debt that's erased, but it's a child raised. This boy is alive. Her dream, her hope for a child came back to life here in this room years ago. And now her son is alive again. Elisha tells Gehazi, call the child's mother, get her back in here. And when she came in, Elisha said, here, take your son. She fell at his feet and bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude, as you can imagine. And then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. What a ride. What a roller coaster. And it's not over, because it never is. And that's the thing with the roller coaster of life. It never ends. You never arrive. The roller coaster is relentless and unavoidable. But there is a hope that you can have, hold on to, and maintain no matter what does or doesn't happen in your life. Life is a roller coaster Disney and Canada's Wonderland can't compete with. And the twists and turns and the ups and the downs and the loop-de-loops, the the ride it takes you on, it's exhausting. Maybe you wake up tired because you've been up all night thinking about all you've experienced or all that you're enduring and where life has or hasn't taken you. And then you have to get up even before the alarm goes off and you got to go out and you got to live your life, right? See, the job, the marriage, parenting, the goal, the dream, whatever it is, at one point or another, everything in your life that you fought and worked so hard for, it may drop dead in your lap. And when that happens, you'll have to decide, am I going to bury it or am I going to hold on to hope? To hold on to hope, you have to be strong enough to confess what your need is. See, many times we give up even talking about certain hopes and dreams because we've gotten to the place where we've held out hope so long that it's affected our hearts so much that we get to the place where it hurts too much to hope. But you have to be strong, strong enough to confess what your need is. And then, then we have to be continually aware of what we have, what God has given us. The prophet asked, what's in your house? And I want to ask you, what's in your house? Because hope begins with what you have, not what you can't answer. And many times, I know this is true for me and maybe it's true for you, but many times all we have is what God has said, what God has promised. All I've had at many times in my life is God's word, and I've discovered that that's more than enough. And that obedience to what God has said is crucial as we navigate the ups and the downs of life. Even in those times where what he said or what his word calls us to do, even when it doesn't even make sense, even when it sounds like bad advice, like Elisha gave the woman a few weeks ago, he's like, you're in debt, go out and borrow some empty jars. It doesn't make any sense. Go take the staff and place it on the child's face. It doesn't make any sense. But obedience to what God has said is critical as we hold on to hope during the twists and the turns and the unexpected drops on the roller coaster of life. To hold on to hope, you have to confess your need. You have to be aware of what you have. You have to be obedient to what God has said. And then you have to persevere. And you will only hold on to hope if you are man enough or woman enough to persevere through the temptation of adapting to the loss. Whatever the loss is for you. You see, 
You don't have to lose hope when something is lost. There is a hope you can have and hold on to. And the way you persevere is that you remind yourself in the dark what you knew was true in the light. You remind yourself in the dark what you knew was true in the light. This woman had discovered something years ago as she stood silent in the doorway that she built for Elisha. And because of what she discovered then, she reminded herself of what God did then when her current circumstances suggested that nothing could be done now. She held on to hope because she reminded herself of what she had seen God do. And because of what she had seen God do, it gave her hope that he could do the impossible again. These two women were a lot like us. Their hopes were tethered to their circumstance. And they experienced what you and I experience. Circumstances change. The only one who is constant and consistent is the Lord. Elisha helped them to see that when they placed their hope in God through what he said, it was then that they were holding on to something, or better yet, someone who would never falter, no matter the circumstance. She reminded herself in the darkness of her circumstance what she found out to be true in the light. And as a result, she held on to her hope. We all have hopes today, right? We all have hopes. Some of us are holding out hope and placing our hope in mandates and masks or no mandates and no masks. For some, their hope is in a vaccine or their hope is in not having to get a vaccine. Some put their hope in money or their ability to make money. Others put it in uh, relationships. I mean, I don't always understand what you put your hope in. And my guess is people don't always understand where I place my hope either. But the one thing that we have in common, the one thing we have in common is if our hope is placed in anything or anyone other than Jesus Christ, it's going to fail us. Because Jesus Christ is the only one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mandates are going to come and go. And while you may think that's all that matters right now, something else is coming because there's always something else coming. There will always be twists and turns and ups and downs because the roller coaster of life never ends until your life ends. So no matter what comes your way, no matter what does or doesn't happen in the midst of our current circumstances or the circumstances that are going to follow, no matter what does or doesn't happen in your life, my prayer, my prayer for you today is that you would hold tightly that you would hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. And the hope we have is that God is good, that he is faithful, that he is present, and that he is for you and that he can be trusted. So hold on to him as you ride this roller coaster called life. And don't be so quick to place your confidence in circumstances, in churches, in pastors, in politicians, or even mandates. Place your hope in Jesus Christ and hold on to him. And as you do, you can hold on to hope no matter what does or doesn't happen in your life. And you can discover, you can discover as our band is about to sing, that God's not done yet. That no matter what is or isn't happening in your life, God isn't done yet. And so you can hold on to hope. And as you do, remind yourself in the darkness of your circumstance what you knew was true in the light. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to gather in this way, in this time. God, we live in such a chaotic world. The things that are happening 
the things we're aware of, the things that we see constantly in the news feeds and in our social media feeds, it's overwhelming, it's exhausting. We are so tired. And God, it's hard to hold on to hope today, not just because of what's happening in our world, but for many of us because of what's happening under our own roofs and our homes and in our hearts. God, it's tough to hold on to hope. And for many of us, we've gotten to the place that Solomon talked about, where our hope in certain things and our expectations and our aspirations, they've been put off so long. It's done something to our hearts. It's taken something from us. It's done something to us and in us. Father, I pray for each person that's watching right now, wherever they are, whatever it is they're going through, whatever hope they have or what hope they've let go of, I pray today, Father, that they would begin to place their hope in you. I'm so thankful that you are not done yet. I'm so thankful that our best days are not behind us. I'm thankful that you can be trusted. And I'm thankful, Father, that we can remind ourselves in the darkness of our current circumstances what we knew was true in the light. May we remind ourselves of what we've seen you do in our lives so that we can hold on to hope and be confident that something can happen that something can change and that you can bring certain things back to life. I pray, Father, right now for that person who is struggling, that person who has given up hope. And I pray right now in this moment that, God, you would speak to them in a personal, powerful way and help us to remember that, God, you are amazing, that you are with us, that you are for us, and that you are not done yet. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If you have any questions, you're looking for ways to take your next step, please visit us on our website, bridgechurches.ca. Much love. God bless.